tonight I want to start a series. I won't, I won't just barely get started, really. There's so many notes when I got going on this thing. Eight things to remember during tough times. Anybody ever had any tough times? If you haven't, you're lying. And, uh, and if you have, you'll have some more. So it's always something we need to talk about and have reasons for talking about this. So uh, let me turn my uh, notifiers off. They're notifying me. And uh, there we go. So uh, how many know life often brings sudden unforeseen challenges and we've all had that happen proverbs 3 5 through 8 this is contemporary english version says this with all your heart you must trust the lord not your own judgment always let him lead you and he will clear the road for you to follow don't ever think that you are wise enough but respect the lord stay away from evil this will make you healthy and you will feel strong I, um, I really like verse 6. It says, always let him lead you, and he will clear the road for you to follow. Isn't that good? So, uh, you know, I, I found that it, through the challenges of life and all of my years of life, if you respond the right way, challenges make you better. If you respond the wrong way, challenges can make you bitter. So we either get better or bitter according to what we do with the challenges that come. In my personal experience, as we get into this, I'll talk about uh, uh, some of my personal experiences, and you have your own as well. But my personal experiences is the deepest things that God has ever done in my life have been when I went through some of the most grueling times that, uh, that it was difficult. Some of the most difficult times were the most change-worthy times in my life. And you'll find that to be uh, true as well in your own life because it forces you. It forces you to address things in your life. It forces you to address things in your character, in your personality, and uh, and uh, you know, and it for, and and it moves you to trust God if you do it right. How many hear me? So you know, um, the enemy doesn't realize uh, what he men, means for evil. Was that Genesis fifty twenty? What what the enemy meant for evil, God always turns around for good, right? So so when you're going through a hard place, just be aware that they never they don't always last. In fact, my my pastor in, um, in uh, Tulsa, Bobby Andin, always said this, uh, Revelation 13, 8 says, Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so what one of the, one of the, one of the things that means is that before your problem ever existed, the answer was already there because Jesus, Jesus was there before the problem ever came, right? So, so I like that. So the, the answers ought to, every problem you have, the answer is already there. So um, I'm, I'm talking about this because the whole world's undergoing um, some perhaps never before seen changes right now. It looks like we're at the time just prior to Jesus' return. It really, um, I'm not going to say we're in it yet, but it looks like we're really close to being in that what people typically call the seven years of tribulation. We're really close. Uh, one thing I'm looking for is some, is some kind of a, a treaty um, from Daniel 9:27 between Israel and their neighbors. And I haven't seen that happen yet. It looks like it could. There's a lot of things. I, that's not my subject. But the, once that happens, that seven years begins. Well, we're really close, and uh, it's incredibly close. And so, you know, uh, the the challenging part is the years ahead are going to be difficult. And but you know, God's, uh, God's given us the Holy Spirit, given us the Word of God, and given us His promises. And beyond that, uh, although there are going to be tremendously difficult times coming, there's a tremendous moving of the Holy Spirit right on the heels of all of this, right in the middle of all of that. And uh, it looks like and it feels like it's the book of Acts just played over all again. There was tremendous persecution because the church began. And, of course, there was persecution from uh, the Romans and the religious people of uh, 
of, uh, of the uh, Believer's Day in the first century. And see, we're, we're, we're first, full circle again. Persecution is coming to the church again in pay, ways we haven't seen it in America ever. We just need to be ready and prepared for that. And then just natural circumstances will become, you know, uh, pressured and uh, difficult. But, you know, God, God, God enables us to meet every challenge. Is that true? And see, in the middle of that, people that have no interest in God will suddenly become interested because they don't know what to do. How many hear me? That's the reason we need to be ready. Is that right? So my encouragement, stoke your prayer life, get your word, word level up, and uh, let's, go after, let's go after the future. What do you say with Augusto? So uh, the whole world's undergoing a change. My notes are available online, by the way. Um, undergoing never-before-seen changes, politics to economics to family values to global war. We're in a web of huge challenge. We're really on the verge of, of World War III. The, uh, it's it's uh, aggravating to me that the news media didn't really tell news this propaganda at this point. And it's, I, I, it's unbelievable to me. So I have to search for truth and uh, it's really difficult. I don't like the time that it takes, but what I can see is there's a lot of really challenging changes coming. There's change in the currency that's coming. And I don't want to get into all that. Uh, and there's changes in uh, so many uh, areas of life. And my encouragement, let me say this one more time. You know, just have a supply on hand. You know, whether you want to be a prepper or not, I don't care. I'm just saying have some water, have some extra food. Don't live from week to week with your food supply and with your water. Have some potable or water that you can drink. I have a way to cleanse water in your in your house and just have some supplies on hand because you may need them. As we go into the future and changes come, I think some of them are going to be sudden, uh, unforeseen. Uh, other changes will be gradual. And uh, when the suddenlies come, that's when you want to have you want to have a stopgap, something that can tide you over. Just like, you know, if there was a, a storm, we have hurricanes coming and uh, various things like that, that, you know, when the electricity goes out or a winter storm or whatever, you're just always wise not to have to go buy your milk and your bread, you know, when, the, when something happens. So just be ready. How many hear me? If you're not ready, get ready. I also encourage you to have some cash on hand because uh, there's so, so many things that are up in the air, and that's not my, na that's not my subject, but, but that's see, all of that I just said is going to produce hardship. It's going to produce various kinds of conflict. But God has promised to meet us regardless of how difficult things come. How many hear me? Nobody likes to hear this, but, you know, my job is uh, not to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. So if I tell you what you need to hear, your needs are going to be met, and you're going to be fine. How many believe that? So we have eight points I want to cover that will remind us of what happens during tough times and what, we, what the Lord will do for us. The first one is this. We are not immune from hardship as a believer. In fact, uh, in fact, when I first came to the Lord, I thought, you know, everything's going to be peachy and wonderful and rosy. And what I found out was my canoe was going down the stream of life with everybody else's, and I just turned mine around midstream. And I'm rowing back up against the tide of culture, against the things I'm accustomed to, against the natural ways of the flesh. And so it actually became more difficult when I came to the Lord. How many can identify with that? And then as I, as I learned to adapt, uh, then, you know, the Lord enabled, and he does that for all of us with the Word and with the Holy Spirit. So I want to mention this. Number one, we're not immune from hardship. There are two kinds. I want to cover this well so you'll understand. There are two kinds of suffering that Jesus endured. And one of those kinds of suffering we're not immune from, 
the other we are. So let me talk about that a little bit. Uh, first of all, there are, is Jesus' substitutionary sufferings. Everybody say substitution. That's the subword for substitutionary. So that means he took our place. Um, Jesus on Calvary became our sin, our sickness, our defeat, our lack, our everything, so that we could be free from sin. Is that good news? He also took our sickness on his own body on the tree. Is that true? So that we could be healed and walk in divine health. Jesus also took our poverty when he died and rose from the dead. So 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, again, I'm not one that advocates you go chasing after money. What I do want you to realize is God's promised to meet your every physical need, but my God shall supply all your need, the apostle Paul said. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He didn't say these things would be taken away from you. He said they'd be added to you. Is that right? So we have every reason to believe that God will meet our needs regardless of how grueling and difficult the world gets and the economies get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And let me just say this, what works, works in every nation on earth, regardless of where that nation is, regardless of where the people group live. The word of God works everywhere worldwide equally, yes or no? And I've preached this very same things in the mountains of Ethiopia, in some very rustic places there. We've got 12 churches there. And I've preached tithing. I've preached giving. I've preached God blessing. And we go from year to year to year, those years that I went twice a year. And we watched, you know, the people's, uh, their, their uh, animals grew, the, the number of animals they had um, in, their, in their flocks grew, their, their crops grew, their... Um, their means of commodity, their means of sustaining themselves. They, they, uh, they had the coffee industry there in Ethiopia. They, they grew coffee trees. I mean, everything they did was blessed. And uh, it was just amazing to see God honors his word, yes or no? Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the threefold uh, nature of the curse of the broken law is poverty, is sickness, and spiritual death. How many know Jesus has redeemed us from spiritual death? We can be born again. How many know Jesus has redeemed us from sickness? So if, you, if, uh, if, if you're not as informed as you could be on the uh, level of sickness and such, go to my podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm in a long, long, it'll be long and drawn out, but I'm gonna talk in detail about divine healing because how many know faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing? So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm talking about healing. So Jesus, Jesus died and rose from the dead so we could have fellowship with God. We could be free from sin. We could be forgiven of our sin. We could be healed of our diseases. And we could also be free from absolute lack. God, Jesus has promised to meet our needs. Yes or no? So Jesus' substitutionary sufferings provided those things for us. First Peter, First Peter 2, 24, Passion Translation. He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. I, I like that translation. It's good. So again, Jesus became what we were so we could become what he is. And we're in Christ Jesus. We're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So Jesus Jesus took our substitutionary sufferings 
That is, we don't have to suffer with sin. Jesus took our sin. We don't have to suffer with sickness and disease. You can believe God to overcome every malady that the enemy tries to put on you, yes or no. And again, you can be free from, from all of those things that are under the curse of the broken law. You can find that really in Deuteronomy 28. Uh, that's enumerated. The blessings of, the, of, of Abraham are enumerated, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. And then verse 15 through 65 talks about the curses of the broken law. We're immune from all of that in Christ. Is that good news? So go back and read that. You'll find it very, very interesting. So just, I just want to make the differentiation. Jesus took our substitutionary suffering so we don't have to suffer that way. How many know God never put sickness on one human being? Now, I was taught differently as a, as a denominational Christian, and I was taught to accept every single thing that comes in life. God doesn't want you to accept every single thing that comes in life. Sometimes the devil attacks. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that's got stealing and killing and destroying on it, you need to resist it in Jesus' name and expect God to bless you. Yes or no? That's just the way it works. So the substitutionary sufferings of Christ have delivered us from, from these things that I've just mentioned. But however, there's also circumstantial suffering. Jesus took our substitutionary suffering so we don't have to suffer from those things. Jesus also endured circumstantial suffering. And that's something that we are not immune from. And uh, Jesus suffered circumstantial suffering and we will as well a lot of our circumstantial suffering uh will will stem from persecution in the future as we go into this these years of difficulty just prior to jesus coming back need to be aware of that uh but even in the middle of that god's promised to make a way for us and do amazing 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 things matthew 5 10 through 12 jesus said this god blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs verse 11 god blesses you when people mock you and persecute you lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers be happy about it new living translation here be very glad for for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in this way so somebody says something really off color to you praise god glory Woo! wow because <laughs> because you're accruing you're accruing some uh, some accolades in heaven is that good news then Paul told the young minister Timothy this, 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Again, that persecution, he's not talking about suffering with sickness, disease, accidents, poverty, but with persecution from others because of our unwavering, relentless stand for Jesus. Yes or no? So again, it's not referring to uh, the sickness and disease, accidents and all that. It's talking about the persecution. Philippians 3.10, Paul mentions, and this was in my blog today, uh, Paul mentions the fellowship of his sufferings and that circumstantial sufferings in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If you want to know resurrection power, you got to be willing to stand your ground and endure some persecution. How many hear me? Acts 5.41, uh, the apostles departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame 
for his name. So when you're derided by something you put on Facebook or something you say to a group of people that are your friends or a group of people that you associate with uh, because your children go to a certain school or there's a neighborhood situation, how many know when you're derided because you live for Jesus, you ought to be really happy about it? And it actually brings joy. First Peter 4, 15 and 16. But let none of you, Peter said, suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So this behooves me to ask a few questions. Am I willing to be persecuted? Am I willing to live, live in such a way that my life stands against the cultural norms that are rising up? And there's a lot of them that are rising up today. And if we ever uh, kindly shared what we believe we need to today, and I've talked about that, are you willing to put your reputation on the line for what you believe? So in our post-Christian culture, Christians are being marginalized more and more. So here's another question. Is Jesus important enough for you and me that we're glad to be mocked, glad to be ridiculed, and glad to be criticized for what we believe. That goes over real big. Look at that. <laughs> How many are, are excited about the future? Just realize the future is going to bring some persecution and some challenges and, and just some natural hardships. But the good news is we, we grow spiritually in that. Second thing of the eight things about uh, tests and trials, our journey through life is often filled with hard places. And we've all gone through lots of them already, and there are more ahead. So again, John 16, Jesus said this New Living Translation, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Take heart because I have overcome the world. New King James says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. How many know the peace that God gives us is not the absence of turmoil. It's, it's the calm in the middle of the storm. How many understand that? So peace of God doesn't mean that everything's just the way you want it to be on the outside. It means that on the inside, regardless of what you're facing, you face it with a smile. You face it with your head up. You face it know that you, knowing that you're an overcomer, knowing that all these things you're more than a conqueror. Yes or no? I also want to mention, and I read the uh, King James Version here, Jesus said in the world you'll have tribulation. That word tribulation in the Greek really means pressure, and I've heard me give the illustration of that before. The best illustration of that that I have read from the Greek word philipsis, which means extreme pressure, uh, really, uh, first century to persecute people and aggravate them for whatever they've done that the Roman authorities didn't like. They would get a big boulder and lay a person down flat and put it on their chest to restrict their, their ability to breathe. It's kind of hard to breathe with a big rock on your stomach, right? So, so and so sit there, <gasps> I mean, just hardly able to breathe. Well, that's the kind of pressure that Jesus said we can we will have just by living in a fallen world. In the world, you'll have hard time, pressure, affliction, tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Psalm 34, 19. I got a lot of scripture tonight. So look at my notes and write this down. Get a hold of it and go back and read them. Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Is that good news? Uh, Passion translation. Even when bad things happen, to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. I really like that. So 
you know, as I've gone through the decades of life, uh, and now I'm in my sixth decade, I can tell you every single challenge that I have ever faced. And I have had times just like you. I wondered if I was going to make it. I wondered if I was going to be able to endure long enough to get through this grueling situation I'm in. How many of the enemy plays tricks on your mind when you have a hard time? He, is a, he has an uncanny ability to make a golf ball look like a basketball or a molehill look like a mountain. Is that true? And so you just got a perspective is everything. And that's the reason we need to read these scriptures and just be aware that God's promised to make a way for us when the going gets tough. He's right there in the middle of the battle with, with us. So again, it's what we do in the hard place that determines what, what the hard place does for us. And as we get into this, you're going to see that sometimes God actually leads us into a hard place. I may not get there tonight, but we will get there eventually. I want you to notice and just listen to this as I read uh, the Apostle Paul's testimony of the challenges that he himself faced in life, beginning with 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. As I read this today, it's just uh, I just love his perspective on the challenges that come, on the pressure, the difficulty. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. New Living Translation here, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Paul's in a hard place, and he recognizes that God's the one that comforts him when the challenges come. He comforts us in all our troubles, and he didn't make it, well, God's just taking care of me. No, no, no. He turned, he turned what was supposed to defeat him into something that would minister to somebody else. He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So we can comfort others. Did you know everything you go through is a potential ministry opportunity for you when you meet somebody else that's going to go through something that you've been through? So, you see, so, so the enemy, he thinks he's whipping you. No, he's, he's preparing you to minister life to other people in the similar ways that, of, uh, uh, similar things that you've been through. Is it true? Sure it is. And so he says uh, he comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others when we are troubled. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God's given us. Man, I, don't you like that? 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9. We think you ought to know, dear brothers. New Living Translation again. Uh, and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. That's modern-day Turkey. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Now, you know, if you slow that down a little bit, crushed. Can you imagine what he must have been facing when he wrote that? We were crushed and overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically? You ever got nauseous because of the things you're facing? You ever woke up in the middle of the night and broke out in a cold sweat because of something you're going through? That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. He said we were crushed, overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Wow. That's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? You ever been to a place in life that it felt like life wasn't worth living? You know what? God will make a way for you. Verse 9, he says, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Listen, now, here's what I know about the Father. Sometimes, sometimes he'll give you some rope and just let you go. And let you go into a circumstance and it looks like and feels like you're not going to make it. You know why he does it? To bring us to the end of ourselves. See, we got this self problem. We got this will problem, this stubborn will problem. And often there are areas of life that we're not willing to yield. We could easily yield. 
but then at other times we want to hang on to it. So sometimes he just gives us rope until we get to the very end of it and we have to cry out and it's just the way life is. Um, I'm ambivalent about this. There's some things about this I don't like. But you know what? On the other side of it, I know that if I'm going through a hard place, God wants to teach me something in the middle of it. Uh, the hard place doesn't teach me something. It's what I learn about God in the middle of the hard place. Is that right? And, and it's, it's what the hard place brings up in us that he wants to scoop off the surface, so to speak. We'll get more into that later. Listen to the Apostle Paul's testimony again, 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 13, New Living Translation. Paul said, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. And no one will find fault with our ministry and everything we do. We show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We've been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We're poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We owe no owe nothing, and yet we have everything. Wow. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There's no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts. I like reading the Apostle Paul because you know what he does? He shows you how vulnerable he is. And I can't tell you how many times through some of the most difficult, uh, grueling things that I've personally been through, I've gone back to this passage right here in 2 Corinthians 6 and just looked at the kinds of things that the Apostle Paul went through. And you know when I compared at the time I was going through what I thought was difficult to what? To the list that Paul gave there, it's not to be compared. You understand? I mean, God is so good to us, and what it shows us is, regardless of how difficult the situation may be, God will make a way for you. How many know it's true? And we'll get into that as we get into the points here. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 33. Here it is again. Uh, New Living Translation. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. That means they laid him on the ground, put his feet up in the air where, where the bottoms of his feet were exposed straight up and just beat the bottoms of his feet until it looked like hamburger. That's what it meant to be beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and the scripture records that. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I've faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the city and deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. 
I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I've shriveled in the shivered in the cold, probably shriveled too, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling the weakness? Who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gate to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. I don't know, but when I read that, I go, wow, just, just wow, just wow. See, everything's perspective, isn't it? You know, attitude determines altitude. And, and, and what I do and what I think in the middle of the hard place determines what that does in me and for me. I can, again, allow the circumstances to make me bitter or I can allow the circumstances to bring the, uh, bring the dross to the surface so Jesus can scoop it off and I can get better. And I can just tell you that in my own personal life, the, the difficulties have forced my hand and, you know, I can, I just be real, the past five years uh, have been some of the most difficult times with respect to building this building we've been involved in. And then prior to that, I made some very stringent changes in our, the way we manage our church. I talked about it yesterday with the men at our men's meeting. And, uh, you know, it was very difficult. And uh, uh, without going into a great detail for sake of time, I can just tell you that, you know, those became, this has become... Uh, some of the sweetest time I've ever having got, had in God because when you're pressed and you f don't, don't feel like things are working out and it doesn't look like anybody's doing what you think they should do for you to help you, yada, yada, yada. How many know God always proves himself strong? Now, I don't know how many times I weep when I tell you the Lord has spoken to me when I'm having, in a hard place, whatever, and, and just said, Mitch, you're gonna, I can just hear him say, Mitch, you're going to be okay. You're just going to be okay. You'll make it through this. And then he brings me to his word. We're going to get through these things and talk about what I just said as we get through this. The apostle, uh, I believe the apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Others differ with that. Hebrews 12, however, talks about the chastening of the Lord. And what probably next time when I come back, I'll share uh, some things I've shared before. But sometimes God will allow you to go th through a personal conflict and a personal challenge because of things that need to be dug out of your personality that would not be removed unless the pressure was on. And I can tell you, looking back, hindsight's 2020, somebody said, looking back on my life when I first got in ministry in my 20s, in my early 30s, there were certain things that had they remained in my personal character, the way I dealt with myself, the way I dealt with others, uh, etc. I would not be able to be here today. And I've looked back and said, God, I don't ever want to go through what I went through. But, but it's amazing to me how you, how you work that out in my life. And I don't know how many times I've said, God can, I don't want you to do that again. So don't get any ideas, but <laughs> thank you. I mean, really thank you. Sometimes God loves you enough to let you go be in a hard place for a while. I know that sounds odd. You know, mama and daddy who love, you know, Jimmy and Sue, you know, how many know they put some discipline on them? And so that's what Hebrews 12 says, 5 through 11, New Living Translation. 
Uh, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, my children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, God remembers uh, this divine discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own child. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children. It means that you're illegitimate and you're not really his child at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, uh, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way so you just got to be aware sometimes in fact uh, uh, this is in my notes later on but i feel the impress of the holy spirit to to mention this uh, both matthew 4 1 and luke 4 1 both record basically the same thing that after jesus was baptized by john the baptist uh he was immediately led by the spirit into a desert and fasted 40 days and, and such and then was tempted by the devil the Holy Spirit led him. So you could say it this way. And Kenneth Hagin, one of my mentors, said, uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you into a hard place. He led Jesus into a hard place. If he led Jesus into a hard place, sometimes he'll lead you. And I'll end with this. I've got so much more to share, but I've, I've taken up all the time. But let me say this. Uh, uh, January 1985, a uh, personal anecdote here. Um, I was minding my own business. It was a brisk winter night. It was a clear sky. Clear skies mean cold temperatures. And I was walking, taking a walk in my neighborhood. And uh, uh, 85, yeah, we, we, Susan and I had one child, Jonathan. And uh, so I went for a walk. And I was on staff at a, a church in Tulsa. And I was just walking. I was just minding my own business, praying. I prayed in the Spirit. I prayed in English some. And, uh, and, uh, and I heard the Lord say something. And I couldn't figure it out. I, I, I wasn't spiritually mature enough to understand what he was saying to me, but I wrote it down. And I, I can still remember where I was in the curve of the road. And it was dark and only the nightlight, the uh, lights on the side of the road uh, gave any visibility. There was a moon. But as I was walking, I heard him say, Mitch, you're going to go into a hard place. I said, what? 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 You're going to go into a hard place. And here's what I knew. I knew that it would uh, be a financially challenging time. January 1985. And then on the heels of that, I had an inward knowing as I prayed, I'm going to put my thumb on pride in your life. And I thought, well, let me put my thumb on it. <laughs> Obviously, wasn't doing it good enough. He said, no, I'm going to help you. January 1985, three years later, Susan and I moved to South Carolina, started a church, and I'll talk about it next time, but uh, that was probably the most difficult time in my life. You know what it did? It forced me to deal with attitudes and uh, motivations in my life that I, did, I didn't understand. I, I didn't see them. Uh, there was a pride in me. Uh, I guess the Hortons have a real root of pride, I suppose. I think all of us do, right? So, uh, and so I learned I, I needed to humble myself. Um, 
I got my good sense of satisfaction about myself through accomplishing things. And most men, a lot of men, uh, go to midlife, they call a man's midlife crisis, um, where he wonders who he is and what he's doing. You know why often that is? It's because a man puts his esteem in what he does. And his personal self-worth is tied to, to who he is as, as whatever his profession is and however he makes his money. There's a lot of pride in men. And, and not all that's bad, but, but there is a, a, a negative streak of it. And for me, I got my good sense of who I was, even as a minister, as a young man in my 20s, uh, by what I had accomplished and who I had been with and all that. And the Lord sent me through a place that would strip me of that. And I didn't realize how deeply embedded that was in me on the other side of this several-year period of it, really grueling, grueling circumstance. And it looked like, I mean, y'all, when I read what Paul said, I mean, I literally, this at this period of time, and I'll get into it later, uh, I despaired of life. There was one time I said, God, it seems like it would be easier to die than to live. And if you've never been there, that's hard to experience and it's hard to explain mentally and emotionally. But if you ever get there, let me tell you what, let me tell you what's happening. Yes, the enemy's he's he's rattling your cage, but at the same time, God is saying, What are you gonna do about it? And right in y'all right in the middle of all that. <laughs> it took several years, but I came to the place that I laid ministry down because I had a lot of pride in ministry and where I'd been and who I'd been with and what I had done. And I was just a young man. Y'all, I was just in, was 30 years old, 32, 31, 32, 33, when all this happened. I had such pride. And I so esteemed who I was by what I had accomplished that one day I, uh, I came to the place. And I wouldn't have, had I not been led by the Spirit into a hard place, when in January 1985, he said, Mitch, I'm taking you through a hard place. It's going to be a financially grueling thing, but, but, and it's going to help you. I'm going to deal with your pride. I was on the ladder, and I, I'll get into it later. And you've, Some of you have heard this story many times, but it's so indelibly printed. And I think about it on occasion, uh, probably once a week or so. I, I was able to say, God, if I never minister another time in my life, and if I don't have anything I had before I came to this place in life, if, if you don't use me like you did before, just here's what I said. Just to know you means more to me than anything in life. Just to know you. Just to be with you. And see, for me, that was a big deal. And, and for God to be able to use me the way he wants to, he wanted me personally to get to a place that I, I was stripped bare of all those things that I depended on as a man to be esteemed by others. How many hear what I'm saying? So, you know, you may not be like me, and maybe you don't need what I needed, but I know when I think about that, I think about how, how gentle God's hand is and how loving he is even when he allows in his providence for you to be in a difficult spot and in a hard place, just like Paul said, that sometimes you even despair of life. In fact, some most of you, if you've been here any length of time, heard my story. I literally came to one point one day, I thought, Lord, I'd rather just die, kill myself. And when I said that, he got angry at me and let me know I didn't give myself life. He did. I don't have the right to take my life. Only he can. 
And he really dealt with me severely. And I'll get into it later, but it taught me so many life lessons. And, you know, I look back on that, how hard it was. I didn't let even Susan and my family know a lot of what I was going through because I needed to be the strong guy. And that's the way men are, right, men? Sometimes you'll go through something and nobody will know you're going through something unless you got a really close friend they will keep the mouth shut. Because, you know, we had small children at the time. If I'd have told Susan what I was feeling, it upset her so much, I don't know what she'd have done. She'd, she'd have went a running to find somebody to help me. But you know what? The Lord helped me. And so I, I have the confidence enough in God to say this. I don't, you may be watching online. You may be in the room. And you may be facing some really difficult, grueling things. And maybe life has been, a, you think life has been unfair. And maybe you think that someone else has been unfair. And maybe you think that you've not been treated properly. Or maybe you feel like God's not been fair to you because of something that happened. You know what? You need to get over it. And the only way you get over it is face it. And what I did in these times, and as we get into this lesson, what, I, what God showed me to do in these times is, I mean, gut it out, tell him the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, every nuance of thought, every nuance of feeling, every nuance of desire that I had on the inside of me and said, God, I'll just lay all that right there. Now, what are you going to do with it? And I would hear him say over and over, Mitch, you'll be all right. You'll make it. And I look back all these years later, I can see that the hand of the Lord was in my life, even in the hardest, most difficult times of life. And I can say to you with confidence, I don't, I don't care what you're going through or how you feel, or what other people have done or haven't done, that they should have done. You know what? You have every reason to praise God and be thankful for, for who Jesus is in you. How many hear what I'm saying? Here's what I feel when I just said that. Somebody just tightened up inside because it hit something inside of you. If that's you, before you go to bed tonight, I don't know how you get along with God. Me, I go for walks. It's kind of late, you know, if it gets dark or whatever. If you're a lady, that might be a challenge. Get somewhere by yourself. Say, God, we got, we got to talk, and we got to talk now. When you start getting real with God, he, you know what? You get honest with God, he'll get honest with you. James 4 says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. We live in a culture right now. Everybody, people, often people will medicate themselves. And they put on a facade, and you never see the real person. Do you hear me? And, and see, we can be that way. with If we're that way with others, often we can be that way with God too. See, it's conditioning. And I can tell you when you're in a hard place, if you let the walls down, let yourself be vulnerable. And I've learned to do that. It's, uh, if you've never done that, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to be honest with yourself. And it's a challenge to let the Lord speak to you. But if you do, it's the free, most freeing time of your whole life. How many hear what I just said? So close your eyes a minute. Lord, thank you. Every person in this room and watching online is very precious to you, very valuable to you. So much so that Jesus shed his blood so we could be free people, so we could be forgiven and cleansed. Lord, I pray for every person who part of their heart is hard because of something someone said or did or didn't do that should have done. Well, they're in a hard place and they don't understand it. They wonder if you're so good, why am I here? Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Let the grace of God go into every crook and cranny and crevice of life. 
in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your grace filter into their thought patterns, into our motivations, into how we think. Lord, I pray, sensitize us to the voice of your word, which also becomes the voice of your spirit. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for every person hearing my voice right now. Lord, let your hand of love and mercy come upon us. Let your understanding come upon us. And Lord, prepare us for the days ahead of us. And help us to overcome the challenges that we currently face. Help us not, instead of becoming defensive and angry, help us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Can we just take a minute or so before we close here? Lord, we just worship you. Just close your eyes. If there's something you're wrestling with, would you acknowledge it to the Lord? Say, God, I'm wrestling with this. And maybe it's a bad, maybe you have a bad attitude. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're defensive. Maybe you're, there's somebody here, you're upset with God because you don't think he's been fair. But see, God's not your problem. He's your answer. The enemy's the problem and your flesh is the problem. He's trying to get you to a place where you will acknowledge that so he can overcome it. Whatever it is you're dealing with, just say, Lord, I'm wrestling with this or this or this. There's a person here, you're wrestling with your finances. You won't let God in your purse strings. You won't let him in your bank account. You're operating in fear. You're playing the what if game. You're not trusting God. Whatever it is, dear Father God, I pray. Every person in the room. Let the Spirit of God work in us in a fresh way. And let us take ourselves in a fresh way to the foot of the cross. And we just give thanks. We just give thanks. We just give thanks. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Lord, I pray for me and all of us. Show yourself strong in us. Help us to be willing to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name. Lord, take us from where we are now into the next thing you have for us in life. Prepare us, Lord God, for the days ahead of us. In the name of Jesus.